This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, estás escuchando a So Violento, So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Y hoy Dee les contará de un crimen que sucedió en Jericho, New York. Immigrating to a new country tends to be an opportunity for many to chase their dreams. It wasn't any difference for Reina Marroquín, a 26-year-old Salvadorian woman who immigrated to New York to pursue her passion in fashion. But everything stopped when an affair ended with her life. This is a tragic case of Reina Marroquín, the lady in the barrel. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tengan cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. On September 2nd, 1999, the Cohen family was moving out of their home in Jericho, New York, in order to go into living in a bigger house. Because during this time, The family had three children under the age of six, but they wanted a bigger home in order for them to, you know, expand their, their, their space because it started to feel a little bit crowded. So in this neighborhood, it's the typical, like, American, like, homes. Big houses, big yards, just in general, the typical American home. During this time, Um, they were starting to move their things out of the home. So movers were coming in and out of the home and they also were trying to go on their last go around with the buyer of the home. So they showed him, you know, the front of the house, the back of the house, all around the house. 
And this time was going underneath the house. So they go underneath the house and, you know, they're inspecting everything. And then they come across this barrel. It's all the way, like, in the corner of, of the home. And it's been there the for years. And the buyer was like, I'm not going to sign the paperwork until that barrel is moved out of the house. So, you know, Ron Cohen, which is the father and the owner of the house, was like, you know what? Fine. I'll move it. I just want to sell this house. I'll take it out. I'll ask the movers to help me take it out of the crawl space. So he goes ahead. He gets the movers to help him drag the, the barrel out of the crawl space and put it in front of the yard in order, I mean, in front of the curb in order for the um, sanitation workers to come pick it up and take it to the, the landfill. So he puts it in the front. He forgets about it. He's like, whatever, that's not my problem anymore. So he left it. Then and it's been in his house for like años? It's been in, yeah, he had been living in this house for 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But he said that when he bought the house, the barrel was still there. Ahí estaba. Okay. Entonces, yeah. Más, más yeah. So okay. he, when he bought the house, he was like, okay, this house is already bought. Like, I don't care if I, it's probably, you know, chemicals. They're probably going to throw it away. Or he automatically assumed that it was just chemicals that he needed to get rid of, but he never did. You know, que a veces hay como cosas en tu casa que ahí las tienes y you never get rid of it. It's just there. But you're like, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. You forget about it and never get rid of it. Well, yeah. this was kind of that situation. Especially because it's underneath his house. O sea, no lo ve. No se, lo está viendo todos los días. Ahí lo dejo. Yeah. Okay. And so he decides to get the barrel and move it to the front, to the curb. And waits until the, the sanitation workers come the next day. So the next day he shows up and the barrel is still there. So he's like, what the hell? You know, he was expecting them to take it. So he goes to, and looks at the barrel and it has like a paper stuck on it. And it said, dear Mr. Cohen, we cannot dispose of the barrel. It was too heavy for us to take it. You must empty out the barrel before um, we're, we're able to take it out of your home. So he's like, fine, I'm going to go dispose of it, put some of it in the trash cans and like wait for them to come back so he goes into his garage gets a crowbar and opens up the barrel and when he opens up the barrel it releases this horrific stench un olor horrible un olor a muerte cuando ve adentro del barril ve que es una mano de una mujer no manches y un zapato de una mujer. Y lo más interesante es de que el cuerpo ha sido uh, mummified. I don't know how to say in Spanish, but it's been mummified. What? Mm -hmm. It has it it, it it had this green, like green slime, like green brownish slime uh, surrounding it, with like these little pebbles that mummified the the corpse. So the way that the corpse was placed was exactly the same way. It was, you know, obviously very damaged and everything, but it was intact. The body was completely intact. No decomposition or anything. It was intact. 
So automatically, Ron, uh, Ron decides to call the police and tells them what he has found. The police come to the home. Right, right, I know. The police come to the, to the home and uh, the coroners come and they take away the body and begin to test it out. So when they take the body out, they uh, determine that the woman who has been mummified with this liquid was a 20 to 30 year old woman within four, four, nine to five feet tall. And could have been a white or Hispanic woman. The most interesting part about this mummified body is her teeth. Her teeth had dental work done to it that wasn't typically used in the U.S. And the person that was trying to identify her body was actually from South America. So he said that that's kind of the dental work that they do. In South America. So they kind of narrow it down to that this woman was of South American descent. So that's kind of what they had. When they ended up, you know, doing x-rays on the body to see if there's any like broken bones or any like like tornillos or, or plaques or anything in the body, they find out that the body actually has a eight to nine month old fetus. In her womb. Yeah. So she was like about to give birth. Mm -hmm. They also determined that the fetus was a boy and died shortly after the mother had passed away. They also determined that the cause of death was a blunt force trauma to the head. Sorry. Blunt force trauma to the head. And she was hit over 10 times. And cause her to pass away. So that's so far what they found. When they emptied out the barrel, they found synthetic petal, uh, pebbles, like como bolitas chiquitas de plástico, de sintético. Y dos anillos, uno con la inscripción MHR. Y un locket, like a heart locket. And it had inscribed to Patricia, love Uncle Phil. They also found a plastic stem. You know those little stems that like for fake flowers, the the plasticky part on the bottom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they found one of those, which is odd. And they found a small um, address book. I don't know if your mom ever had that like in the 80s or in the 90s. Where she had like written like names and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it had one of those, but it was so badly consumed because of the the slush that it was unlegible. So, so los um los forensic scientists had to like dry out the paper within the the book. Uh, page by page by page in order to see if there's any information within the book. So you could only imagine like the amount of time this case had to take, uh, especially in the, like in 1999. 
the barrel, um, el barril, alrededor del barril, tenía labels que decía um, que transportaba uh, fabric, I mean, no, not fabric dye, but just regular dye um, de, de una factoría a otra. Y también decía que estaba, que lo habían transportado a la compañía Melrose Plastic, donde um, they manufactured artificial flowers. So, oh, that's, that, the, that's them. La yeah. Flor. So that's how they identified the fact that the stem and the, the synthetic pe pebbles and um, the, the actual slush that was inside was a green dye that they used for to make those stems. Mm -hmm. So they identified that her body had a big connection to this uh, factory. And, and that's probably where she passed away or or had connections to somebody in that company. Alguien la tenía que conocer de ahí. Yeah. So when the investigators started to connect the dots within this case, um, they went on the hunt to see who were the previous owners of the house in Jericho. Entonces empezaron a buscar que no le investigaron a, a Ron Cohen y declararon que no era él, que él no tenía nada que ver con, eh, con, con el, el crimen. Ajá. Porque igual también la mujer que estaba en el barril tenía ropa que no era de esta época, o más bien de los noventas, que no era ropa de, de hace 10 años ni 20 años, era como de 30 años. Oh, wow. So, so they ruled out Ron Cohen. They're like, okay, it's not him. So fueron al dueño que tenía la casa antes que Cohen. Mm -hmm. Y luego eh, se enteraron que él, él había comprado la casa con el barril. Entonces, él dice también lo mismo. O sea, el barril estaba debajo de la casa. Se le olvidó que estaba el barril hasta que, hasta que lo mencionaron, que, que encontraron el barril abajo de la casa. Dice que él vivía en la casa como por 15 años pero que ni, o sea, ni le dio curiosidad de ver el barril, ni que tenía, ni nada, que ahí nomás lo dejó. Como Cohen pensó que, que era como, like, toxic waste, so he didn't want to move it. Also, Weird el barril. Like, eso es raro, a I mí, mean, compras una casa y ves algo así, I mean, mm -hmm. no sé si porque nosotros estamos, like, you know, involucradas en in yeah. true crime, that if we see a barrel under the house, Vamos We're going to find out what okay, it is. Es right? Exactly. Pero también tienes que, yeah. te, se me olvidó decir, pero el barril pesaba mucho. O sea, el barril pesaba casi 350 libras. Oh, wow. So, imagínate a una persona tratar de mover el barril. Si, o sea, si Cohen, cuando estaba moviendo en la casa, he hired those movers to help him move the things in his house and to help him move that barril. Because he couldn't move it by himself. So you could only imagine that the previous owner couldn't even move that barril either. So he was like, why even move it? Just leave it there. So after they ruled that guy out of uh, the previous owner out of the equation, they went to the third homeowner. And this homeowner had lived there for 15 years. And he had retired and moved to Florida. So, you know, typical retired home, left the left New York and left, decided to leave to, to Florida. 
which is something that's t- so typical in the U.S. So, you know, all the retirees go to Florida. <laughs> um, so, durante este tiempo, cuando estaban buscando información sobre el barril y lo que... Y, y información del barril o la persona que estaba en el barril, pusieron un ad en el newspaper donde decía el tipo de barril, el, las cosas que encontraron en el, en el barril, el, así cosa, descripción del barril. Y una persona anónima llamó a, las, a la estación de, de Jericho, de policías, y les empezó a decir información sobre el barril. Esta persona dijo que él o ella trabajaba en una factoría donde hacían flores de plástico y que muchas de las mujeres que trabajaban en, en, la, en la factory eran mujeres inmigrantes porque ellas trabajaban en the, in the line trying to like make the petals and like connect the flowers and all of that stuff. So they were in charge of building the flowers. And this person also mentioned that que el barril que, te, que, que habían encontrado era el mismo barril que tenían en la factory. Y que eh, cuando, trabaja, cuando trabajaron en la factory tenían little pebbles that they had mentioned, the little synthetic pebbles. Those pebbles were used in order to make the stems of the flowers. Y que el, el dye that they used in order to dye the, the synthetic pebbles was green. So they connected the thoughts and said, you know, the green slush was the dye. The pebbles were the plastics in order to make the stem. And then there was a piece of stem within the barrel. So the connections were clear that it was part of the, the Melrose um, plastic factory. He also mentioned that during the 60s, when this was happening, when, they, when he, worked at, he or she worked at the, at the factory that the owner was rumored to have a relationship with one of the workers within the factory. He said that the rumors were that, you know, they were in a relationship together and that that everybody knew about it, but nobody really talked about it. But they also said that one day she just never came back. She just disappeared. Pero como no, no se conocían de nombre ni nada, no, no, nunca supieron quién era. Pero they just knew that he had an affair with a, an employee. When detectives started to connect the pieces, they realized that the third homeowner of this house was, at that time, Howard B. Elkins, a 40-year-old man who was a local businessman within Jericho, New York, and was a partial owner of Melrose Plastics. Mm-hmm. So he was the homeowner of that house, and he was the own uh, partial owner of Melrose Plastics. So, yeah. So at this time, uh, detectives were searching for Howard, and they went to Florida to ask him questions about the the barrel that they had found. They had questioned him about the woman and the fetus that the barrel was had that they had found inside the barrel they also asked him if he was the father of the fetus they also questioned him about the rumors that were going around within the factory saying that he had an affair with a uh, 
Latina woman yeah. that worked in the factory. Yeah. And he said that, yeah, he did have an affair during that time, like in the 60s, but that he didn't remember her name and he didn't remember how she looked like. He just remembers that he had an affair with her. So, neta, ¿verdad? So, los detectives empezaron a, a cuestionar sus respuestas porque él estaba bien reservado. No quería hablar mucho, no quería decir casi nada y, y no, no estaba cooperando. En uno de esos, en, de unas uh, preguntas, le dijeron que si podía dar un mouth swab for a DNA test DNA. to run it with, yeah, with the fetus. And he refused. He didn't want to give one. So the detectives were like, okay, well, it's fine. You don't have to give it to us. And right at that moment, Howard recibió una llamada. Y era de su esposa. En ese momento, le vio a los detectives y les dijo, tienen que salirse de mi casa, quiero hablar con mi esposa a solas, y se tienen que ir. Uh, ya no voy a contestar más preguntas, no voy a darles DNA, y ya no tengo que hablar del caso si no quiero. So the detectives said goodbye to Howard. Al irse, el de uno de los detectives volteó y vio a Howard y le dijo, voy a agarrar una orden de la corte para una prueba de ADN y voy a determinar que tú eres el papá del, eh, del cuerpo del, del niño que se encontró en, en el cuerpo de la mujer y vamos a venir y te vamos a arrestar. So, He clearly era como diciéndole, we know it's you. Everything connects yeah. back to you. And we're going to come and find you. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. After the detectives left, um, Howard actually left to meet up with his wife at, at the local Walmart. At this Walmart, he bought a shotgun and, and ammunition. He said he bought and a on, shotgun? Yeah, he bought a shotgun and ammunition. And on September 10th, 1999, Howard was found dead in the backseat of a neighbor's car from a self-inflicted no. gunshot wound. He was found by his son alongside with a cop. So wow. he, he committed suicide. Yep. Ahí, After ahí where, he just, that's him. He just proved himself guilty proved with that. that. It was him. Yeah, era él. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Detectives took a DNA sample from Howard and ran it, ran its DNA and found out that the baby that was within the woman's womb was in fact Howard's son. It was a 99.8% match to Howard. Although Howard committed suicide, detectives were determined to find the identity of the woman in the barrel. Yeah. Los detectives usaron uh, luces en uh, in infrared para, para ver claramente las páginas del address book. Porque ellos estaban determinando de que algo tenía ese libro y tenía información sobre la víctima del, de la, del barril. Entonces, dicen, eh, cuando estaba viendo entrevistas, Uh, los científicos dijeron que cada página duraba cuatro horas para secarse. 
So, imagínate un little address book que compras para, 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 para tu bolsillo. ¿Cuántas páginas debe tener? ¿Y cuántas horas se tienen que secar cada página? Poco a poco. Y también describen... Ya, yeah, y describen como la, la, la the science that they had to do behind it was that in order to even flip over a page, they had to use a ruler very carefully and move it. And they had to separate each page a certain way and everything. Porque cada detalle de ese libro tenían que, que ver. O sea, even like the imprint, you know, like... Really delicate. Yeah. You have to be really careful. So, so you know how when you write, sometimes you leave, leave an indent when when you're like writing, like let's say a check or something. Like if you see it, like if you turn around the page, you could see like the numbers or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the the infrared like even read that. So like they had to be really careful in order to, for them to like even find like a name, an address, yeah. or a phone number or whatever. So. The only issue that they were running towards was while they were looking through this book is that many of the phone numbers and addresses and names that were within this address book no longer lived in their homes. Sí, they, ya 30 años. 30 años. 30, yeah. Yeah. 30 años de que ya no viven en, en los apartamentos ni nada. So they were, they were very optimistic to find someone that that matched with the address book that still lived in New York and still had the same address and still had the same phone number. I mean, it was the, the, the biggest chance that they were trying to face. You know, they were, they were the biggest challenge that they had to face was trying to find just one person that matched the address book. So after a while of looking through the book, They figured out that the first page of the address book actually had a permanent residency card. And it said that it belonged to Reina Angelica Marroquín, a 20-year-old immigrant from El Salvador. It also said that she worked as a nanny when she had traveled to the United States. And during that time, she also was um, had started working at Melrose Plastics. So, it, you know, that's how they identified slowly, like, what, her, like, who she was. Yeah. In one of the pages, it also said that there was a name, and it said, Kathy Andrade. So, they took a chance. They picked up the phone and called. When the text was called Kathy, she said, sobbing. Oh my God, I never thought I'd hear about her again. Aww. So it turns out that Katy Andrade era la maestra de inglés de uh, Reina. Ella había, according to Kathy, uh, Reina era del Salvador. Ella estaba casada en El Salvador. Tenía una familia perfecta o lo que ella pensaba que era perfecta. Y decidió, mo, um, you know, vivir su vida en El Salvador con su esposo y todo. Pero dice que, que a los pocos años de casada, su, se enteró que su esposo la engañaba con una mujer. Y esa mujer resultó 
eh, estar embarazada. So, lo que hizo Reina es divorciarse de su esposo y emigrar a los Estados Unidos. Su sueño era mudarse a los Estados Unidos, become a citizen, y estudiar fashion. Her biggest pursuit was to become a, a designer. And that's why she moved to New York. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. After moving here, she moved in, um, at least like back in the day, in um, the 60s, uh, Catholic churches would let uh, single women move into their, um, like to these homes that they owned, uh, where they could, you know, go in there and move until they are ready to move out. So she moved into this Catholic like church for single women and um, she started to go to school for um, her citizenship and she started to take English classes and also uh, fashion courses at the local high school near near where she lived. Kathy also says that she was her teacher and her best friend. So they talked about everything. They talked about school and like her life in El Salvador and what her life was like in El Salvador. And she, you know, she her biggest dream was to have a family. But after finding out that her husband had cheated on her, she decided to pursue her 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 love for fashion and, and move to the States. During the time that she moved to New York, she actually found a job as a babysitter. But she realized that she wasn't getting enough money. So she ended up, uh, Kathy ended up suggesting um, that she started working at the Melrose Plastic. So that's how she started working at the factory. During her time at the factory, she saw that uh, that Reina's whole attitude had changed. So when, you know, she would come to her English classes, she would talk about her boyfriend and how her boyfriend um, was very loving and very caring and that she met him at her job. She never said who he was. She always kept it a secret. She never mentioned who this man was. Solo le decía que era su novio. Decía que lo, lo único malo de su relación era de que su esposo, de que su novio estaba casado, pero que él iba a dejar a su esposa para estar con ella. Y así pasaron unos meses que, you know, they were dating. And one day, she finds out that she's pregnant. Kathy dice que ella le dijo a su novio que estaba embarazada y que él le rentó un apartamento cerca de New York in order for her to, you know, live there and he could go see her. Ella también dijo que le había rentado un doctor privado que la iba y la visitaba a su apartamento and would check her and like do her... Um, pregnancy checkups at her apartment. 
I know. Weird. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So oh, he was Kathy said secret, that she, she, that he was keeping it like a very secret, yeah. like a very like secret secret. Hush, hush, and yeah. during that during that time, she also stopped working at the factory. And as her as her due date started to approach, she confronted her boyfriend. And Kathy recalls saying that her boyfriend got upset and told her that he wasn't going to leave his wife for her. So, you know, Reina was being hysterical and, you know, her dreams were shattered again. First because of her marriage and then now because the man she was in love with wasn't going to leave his wife for her. So Reina determinó de que el su novio no iba a dejar a su esposa ni a sus hijos que tenía con esa esposa y que de que she had to do something about it. So in a so in a moment of panic Reina finds um, Howard's wife's phone number in the phone book and calls her and tells her that she is sleeping with her husband and that she's eight months pregnant yeah. yeah so when Howard found out that Reina went ahead and did this behind his back he got furious and he started to tell Reina that he was gonna kill her and she and mm-hmm, she confessed to Kathy that, that Howard had told her that he was gonna wow. kill her yeah. So she also, again, she never revealed who the father was at all. So the only thing Kathy had was the fact that, you know, Reina's boyfriend was going to kill her, but she didn't have any other information other than that. So in that moment, Reina had begged Kathy to go over to her apartment. Y le dijo, tienes que venir, él me va a matar. Necesito que alguien esté conmigo. No quiero estar sola. Entonces, Kathy luego, luego empacó sus cosas y se fue a, a, a la casa de Reina. Cuando llegó al apartamento, vio que la puerta estaba abierta. Entró a su apartamento y vio que todavía tenía como comida caliente en el stove. So she's like, oh, she probably just went to the grocery store. She'll be back. So she just waited and waited and waited. She was waiting for almost three hours and she never showed up. So Kathy ends up calling the police to put out a missing person's you know, report for her friend. And the police said that they she, they couldn't file she couldn't file a report for Reina because they weren't family. Also, no. she couldn't put a report. You have to think about it. It's the 60s. Yeah. No pudo hacer un reporte porque no era familia. Porque claramente se, eh, se, se, se fue con su novio. O porque era emigrante. Regresó al Salvador. Mind you, she had hot food in her stove. Yeah, That she means she wasn't going to leave. Yeah. Dejó ahí la comida y decidió irse al Salvador. Yeah. Entonces, cuando la, la policía le preguntó qué cree que pasó con Reina, Kathy solo dijo, 
no sé, ella me había, antes de que se desapareciera, me dijo que su novio la quería matar. Entonces la policía le dijo, ok, ¿quién es su novio? Bien. So she had literally nothing to fall back on. As a, as a friend who's trying to help another friend, she couldn't do much. The only thing she had was the little bit of information she had. She had. Aunque pasó años y años, Kathy was always still searching for Reina. Todavía esperaba que ella regresara a su vida y que la encontrara o, o que supiera algo de ella. O si se había ido al Salvador, ella hubiera sabido algo de Reina. Para Like that was her, her hope. Entonces cuando los detectives le hablaron y le dijeron de, 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 del cuerpo de Reina y cómo lo habían encontrado, her first reaction was that Howard had done it. So according to investigators and how they um, connected the dots was that after the argument between Reina and Howard, él le volvió a hablar calmado y le dijo, ven, 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 ven a la, a la Plastic Factory. Vamos a hablar de esto. We'll talk about it, you know, we'll, we'll solve things. We'll see what we can do. Y como reina ilusionada, fue a su oficina, a, a la factory. Y cuando buscó por él, no lo encontró. Y él la sorprendió, la sorprendió con un golpe en la cabeza. Le pegó más de 10 veces y la mató. Los detectives determinaron de que como estaban en la factory, él agarró el barril, puso su cuerpo y le puso las synthetic uh, pellets and drowned her body in the dye that was at disposed for him. But he realized that the body was too heavy in the barrel. So they said that somehow, they don't know how, but the, he, he transported the body and the barrel and the pebbles and the dye in his car and then drove it to his home where he was going to put it all into his boat and throw it off of his boat into the ocean. But again, he realized that the body was too heavy for him to move, so he decided to just empty everything out in a barrel underneath his home and wow, closed it. Su familia ahí en la, arriba, like, years and years, mm -hmm. sus hijos, su esposa, todos ahí, y el cuerpo de, de Reina ahí. De ella. Abajo de la casa. Abajo de la casa, yeah. For almost wow. 30 years. Wait, I don't 30 know, years. Know, la esposa de Howard, um, con la que estuvo casado en los 60, the 60s, um, es la misma con la que estuvo en, en los 90s? Yeah, okay. she was the same one. The same one, okay. She was, she was the same person. It was the same person. And detectives actually interviewed uh, his wife and realized that she had nothing to do with the case. She didn't even know what happened. Like, she had no idea that he had an affair. 
I mean, he she she had that phone call, but she, she didn't know what but she didn't know what happened to this woman. She just kind of dismissed it and, and went on with her life. A lo mejor pensó que era una, like a prank call, o a lo mejor hasta Howard le dijo, ay, no creas, ahí andan chismes, people are gonna talk, no yeah. creas nada, and como o lo también, más de reina, pues. No, y también era la primera vez que había escuchado de ella, era la primera vez que había, se había enterado que su, su esposo tenía una affair, y también tienes que ponter, ponerte a pensar, eran los setentas, y él, te, él, él era un dueño de una factory, you know, people were probably trying to get money out of them all the time, you know? Yeah, trying to find somebody to, that like cheated on you is like way more harder than, you know, now we have like technology and like, you know, all these other tools that we could find information. Back in the day, you, you don't, you didn't have that much. That's why a lot of people back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, 80s, would have affairs and nobody would know about them until like years later you know after they pieced together the case and found out Reina's identity and how she was murdered writer Oscar Corral traveled to San Martin San Salvador where Reina's 95 year old mother told him She had dreams about Reina being trapped inside a barrel. She said that she dreamt about her daughter constantly. She said that her and her daughter had a very close relationship. And she would receive letters from her uh, from her daughter often. And when the letters stopped arriving at her home, she knew something was wrong. But she didn't know how. She said that she didn't. She thought that her daughter probably just found somebody in and stopped writing to her or that she did pass away, but she didn't know how or where she said that she constantly dreamt about her daughter and that in her dreams, her daughter was trying to talk to her, but it almost, it sounded like muffled. Like she couldn't understand anything her daughter was saying. She said that, you know, she just assumed that like her, her daughter just was missing And she just waited for her to, like, come back. Reina was buried in El Salvador. And her mother died a month later after burying Reina. Oh, and now they're... I know. She waited, pero por su hija. And uh, now they're buried together in um, El Salvador. Which to me, there's nothing more heartbreaking than um. Sorry, no. uh, it it's nothing more heartbreaking than than to know that like the love of a mother and um knowing that there was something wrong, and to find out the way that you found out after thirty like over thirty years, finding out that your daughter didn't forget about you, mm-hmm. that this sadistic man with no soul decided to murder her and like leave her as a forgotten thing in his house because not even as a person a thing and went went with his life lived his life and never looked back you know and this mother held on for so long trying to find answers tantos años sin saber de su hija y luego que le lleguen y le digan esto Yeah. That's 
that's literally the most heartbreaking thing it is it is and sadly that's the tragic case of reina marroquin also known as the lady in the barrel he was a coward desde un principio y hasta el final de su vida yeah cobarde yeah mató a una muchacha y luego se suicida mm-hmm like mind you let me just remind you when he met reina she was 26 26 27 and he was already 40 years old so he was twice her age he should have known better oh yeah he knew what he was doing and then when he murdered her hid her body he lived in that home for 15 years that's the sick part. Like, you take her body and you have it in your home with your family. Yeah. Like, how he has no conscience. Like, there no remorse. None at all. Nothing. You mm-hmm. kill this woman and you pretend like nothing happens for the next 30 years and hope that you don't get caught. That, and then you get caught. Then nobody and, oh, finds it. Yeah. Oh, and now I'm caught. Yeah, I'm going to go kill myself. Like. Yeah. No. And the shitty part is that like he's not only hurting Reina's family or Reina's loved ones. He's also hurting his own family. Because think about it. To think about it that way, where it's like he hurt his wife because A, he was having an affair. B, he hid it for so many years in the home that they shared. And then also hurting his children by the same factors. And then for his son to find his body. Right, su hijo lo encontró. Yeah. Él no paró de, de dañar a personas. Él no, no, paró. no. No. I don't know how someone can live with that in their conscience. Seriously, I, I just don't understand. Y esta madre esperando a su hija y, y reina acá, la pobrecita, tratando de encontrar una vida mejor para ella. She had big dreams, trying to make it big, and she fell in love with the wrong person. Yeah. Hizo tanto daño y... Y para nada. Por su propio egoísmo. Because she was pregnant. Yeah. Like, next time, then don't cheat on your wife and don't do this. Like, yeah. I was like, these are the consequences that come with cheating on your partner. Yeah. Or, like, not, you know, being careful when, you know, you're having sexual relations with somebody. But most importantly, when you do shit like this against, you know, your marriage. Yeah. Le importó más, le importó más el, él se enfocó más en cómo va a dañar esto a mi familia. And his solution was, I'm going to kill. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill Reina and I'm going to kill my child. How does that, how is that the best solution? Um, that's what I'm telling like, you. Like, it, it's so unbelievable. It, it is. You know, if you get, if she, if your wife finds out, you, Get divorced? That's that's on you. That's your shit. You were the yeah. one that decided to do this. Yeah. Don't go and kill someone. Exactly. 
I think también en, en general it's just um it's so sad and I think just in general um if anyone out there is going through a, you know is in a violent relationship if someone threatens you te amenaza que te va a matar que te va a hacer algo y luego te dice hey después de que te amenaza y te diga te voy a matar y luego te dice hey Sal, sal, quiero hablar contigo para arreglar todo. Please don't go. No. Please don't. Reina, no. desafortunadamente, estaba enamorada cre y creyó. She believed this. She believed yeah. him. Yeah. But don't believe them. Please don't. No. Because there's a high chance that this person is going to hurt you. Oh, 100%. And the sad part also is that, yeah, she had she had a friend to talk about these things. But the number one red flag that we could all take into account is the fact that she didn't mention who her boyfriend was. If this person loves you, if you're so in love with this person, why are you so scared to tell somebody who they are? You know? No, I mean, it, it's the most... Um, terrifying thing i feel like as friends especially kathy in, in this particular sense she was trying to be the best person to help her find like to find her friend and she couldn't because there was no reliable information she had on this man she you tried she really did but which also to me it's stupid i'm sorry it's but stupid. she she's an That's immigrant and she no. And she doesn't have any family here. And a friend comes over and says, hey, I've known this person for a while. This is yeah. out of her character. I'm sorry, but you have to listen to her. Like, yeah. please. Yeah. It's so infuriating. But yeah. also, we also have to take accountability that it was in the 60s. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We live and we learn. And I hope the police also does too. That was the case for this week. Um... Uh, I actually had heard about this case a while ago, um, but I had completely forgotten about it. Sometimes that's what I do. I, I completely forget about some cases. Um, but I did re remember seeing it in um, forensic files recently. And um, that's kind of the most interesting part because it, it, this case has been covered a lot, um, especially by the media. It's one of the most infamous cases. But um, I wanted to bring in, bring light to it because it's been a while since I've heard about it or, or heard anything about it. And I just feel like it's very important for us to, to kind of, you know, keep each other safe, but also be aware that just because they love you and they say they're going to be with you for the rest of your life and one day tells you they're being violent, says, you know, they're going to kill you. Please don't go back. It's not worth it. Your life isn't worth being risked over a person that says he loves you one minute and then the next he doesn't. Mm -mm. So, um, yeah, that that Remember, was the case for this. It's scary, right? I know it it's, is. in those situations, está en una situación así, te da miedo, no sabes lo que esta persona es capaz de hacer. Sabemos que es, es difícil salir de una relación así, pero hay ayuda. Busca la yeah. Hay gente, hay organizaciones que te pueden ayudar. No, no estás, no estás sola, no estás solo, porque esto puede pasarle a una mujer y a un hombre, 
No, yes. no están solos. Busquen la ayuda, la ayuda ahí está. And um, with that, we're actually going to, I'm going to add a slide at the end of our um, little photo thing that we do on Instagram for any information regarding any help with domestic violence um, in order for you guys to, you know, reach out in case you need help or if you know anybody that needs help. Um, we, you know, some of the, the worst cases that we've heard on this podcast or any podcast in general is domestic violence and uh, the violence against you know, their partners. And um, I guess the best thing we can do is keep repeating that information and letting people know that there, that there is help. That if you can't get any help from, you know, your friends or family, there's other people out there that do care about you and are willing to help you through any difficult situation. Um, and with that, um, please, uh, if you want to learn more about this case or anything we've said in this case, uh, you can do your own research. Um, I do recommend listening to um, a couple podcasts. I'll link them below. And also if you, um, the forensic files on YouTube and I'll link it um, below as well. So you guys could see it. Uh, and yeah. Um, but also stay safe, stay vigilant. And um, if you want to talk about this uh, case, you could find us on uh, Twitter, on Instagram and TikTok as at SVSM underscore podcast on facebook at so real into cover podcast um also you can listen to other episodes on apple Podcasts, on spotify um on google Podcasts, and other uh streaming sites and um if you leave any reviews or you know little star thingies that would be great <laughs> we would really appreciate it thank uh, you for those that we, are we appreciate it. it yeah we appreciate everything you guys do uh it's still pretty shocking and um just kind of want to mention that today we actually received news that we were featured on Apple Podcasts on, Woo-hoo. I think it's called La, La Raras Cosas or something like that. I don't know. I posted it on our Instagram stories. I might post it later on our feed if if I feel like it. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. Um, you guys are responsible for that. Uh, you guys it's have been called, listening to us for almost... La cosa. Yeah, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we just want to say thank you guys for, for that. It, it, it's still surreal to me that you guys listen. Um, but here we are. Um, and also, we're so excited for you guys to listen to our collaborations with uh, Juegos Asesinos. The episode that we did with them was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. I think it was like two hours long, so I'm sorry for... I'm sorry for Kiki for like having to edit all that thing because we talk a lot. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, go support them as well. Yeah, go support them. They're they're lovely gals. And yeah, to the girls, yeah. that one of it, I think it's Kiki. Kiki's birthday is coming up, so happy birthday! I think it's Kiki, right? Or is it Martha? Kiki, yeah, I think it is Kiki. Yeah, yeah. So happy birthday to Kiki as of right now. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, our episode should be coming out soon. We're still debating on when to drop it. So it's coming in October, though. Um, so stay stay tuned. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you much for supporting. Thank you so much for sharing and recommending us to other people. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. And um, until next week. Support. Yes, it's been it's been great. And there's a lot of things coming up, a lot of great 
things coming up for for both of us. So we're really, really excited, and we hope you guys continue to support us in this. Yeah, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Mandamos un abrazo. Bye. Bye. Stay spooky.